0: Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Rev. Dale Cohen. Today is a momentous day as we stand on the precipice of looking back over the last 200 years while also peering ahead, imagining what God has in store for our future. On September 8th, 1822, John Cox and John Kerr, both local preachers in the Methodist movement, organized and founded Florence Methodist Church in Cox's newly built log cabin just a few blocks away from here. Eight people gathered on that Sunday morning to establish what would become one of the most influential institutions in the city of Florence. Since its founding, this church has shaped the spiritual lives of thousands of people who have served as both citizens and leaders in government, commerce, and education. They have shaped the life in the Shoals, and their legacy of faith and service compels us to be as equally faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ today. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesians in what Lindsay read here just a moment ago, recognized that the church in Ephesus was also standing on a precipice. In looking back, Paul could see, since Jesus' death and resurrection, that the early church had grown and expanded from its isolated group of Jewish believers, and began to incorporate new converts to Christianity who were the Gentiles. Looking ahead, Paul envisioned the challenges of unifying this diverse group of people, reminding them that it was only in Jesus Christ that the church could be founded, and as one body it would exist despite any differences. Paul emphasizes their unity as children of God when he prays this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. He began his prayer literally by falling to his knees and praising God because he knew that it was only God who could bring unity out of the division that existed. Then Paul prays for the church's future, asking God to give the church four gifts that would ensure unity for what was to come. First, Paul prayed that the church might receive inner strength. He said, I pray, according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit." God's strength is available to us and so we must tap into it and we do so as we gather together worshiping each week where our fellow church members are a source of encouragement, supporting and challenging us as we find our way. The witness of all those who served faithfully in leadership in the years past also strengthens us through sermons from preachers like Alan Montgomery, Bill Davis, or Barry Anderson, to the gentle care of associate pastors like Leonard McDowell, Joy Morgan, and our current associate pastor, Terry Stubblefield. Through the the life and witness of our Sunday school teachers like Judge E.B. Haltom Jr., Mary Douglas Bender, or William A. Graham. Through disciple Bible studies led by facilitators like Al Ford, Bill Huddleston, Sarah Hagstrom, Rivers Lindsay, and Sarah Weatherly. These leaders strengthened us for ministry so that we would be equipped to care for this world for which we have responsibility. More importantly, though, we find strength through the Holy Spirit who guides and equips us to be faithful through whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, on May 24, 1738, recorded his personal experience in his journal where he experienced the provision of the Holy Spirit that inspired him. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he hath taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. God wants to work within us even today if we'll open ourselves to his Spirit and invite him to give us the strength that we need. Secondly, though, Paul prayed that Jesus Christ would dwell in our hearts so that love would be our foundation. He prayed that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Jesus isn't some thought or idea or concept in our heads. Jesus is someone with whom we can have a personal relationship. If we only know the historical Jesus of the Bible, then we've not met the living Christ. We've not met the living Savior. The risen Christ comes to us when we seek Him in prayer, when we study God's Word, when we gather together in worship, and when we receive the sacraments like we will do here in just a moment. God invites us to open our hearts to Him and to receive Him into our lives. Think of all those who in the last 200 years within the walls of this church for the last 100 have experienced the life-saving power of God's love and grace. Now imagine the impact that they've made because God rooted and grounded them in love to share that love with this community and beyond. I praise God for the difference that these people have made in this community and everywhere because of their love. Thirdly, Paul prays that through life together in the church we find new perspectives and insights that help us begin to fathom the vastness of God's grace that is at work in the world. Paul said, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's saying to know that which we cannot know. It's a mystery how we know the fullness of God's love for us. We can't explain it. We can't point to it. We can only experience it. If we take time to listen to one another as fellow saints... We discover each other's stories that move us beyond our limited understanding of God's love for us and the world. As we hear other people share how God has been in their lives, it helps us understand better how God is at work in our lives and in the world. When we watch others engage in acts of kindness and generosity, we gain a richer understanding of how God is at work through them and how God could possibly be at work through us. Yet, we often find new ideas challenging. Bill McDonald, who's written two wonderful histories of this church, wrote of one such incident that happened here. In 1843, William Basil Wood, then a young attorney, organized the first Sunday school in Florence. Now, This may surprise you, but some people objected to this radical new idea because they thought that teaching and learning on Sunday was a violation of God's Sabbath law. And there was even a large church in Nashville who advertised, we allow no Sunday schools. Imagine where our church would be if not for the amazing Sunday school classes over the years that have poured into the life of this church in so many rich and varied ways. I am so glad that Mr. Wood stayed the course despite the opposition. Finally, Paul prayed for all to receive the knowledge of God's love in Jesus Christ. Knowledge must Always be subservient to love. Let me repeat that. Knowledge must always be subservient to love. Knowledge is not eternal, according to Paul. That's why everything we think, say, and do must be filtered through the lens of the love of Jesus Christ. Paul prayed that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, to know the love that we cannot know so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Love trumps knowledge. When we lack understanding or agreement, the only way to respond is with love. That isn't to say that knowledge is irrelevant to the Christian life. On the contrary, knowing everything that we can know about God and about each other and about the world in which we live, that's important for us to be able to live well. But God's love in Jesus Christ is not something that we're going to find out there in the world. Because you see, God has revealed himself to us. That is something that we can only know in our hearts. God doesn't save us through our minds. God saves us through our hearts. It's revealed to us by God who sent his son to give us the most accurate picture of Him as our loving Father, and then equally as important to show us how to love one another. So, Paul prayed that we might have inner strength to keep the faith, the indwelling of Jesus Christ in our hearts, the ability to understand how God is working in the world today, and the power to know God's saving love in Jesus Christ. And Paul believed that if we have these four things, then God can do things through us that will blow our minds, that we can't even begin to fathom. He said in closing through a doxology, Now to him who by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And amen means so be it. So be it. Paul is simply saying that no matter how great the last 200 years have been in the life of this church, that if we remain open to what God is up to in this moment, then our future is going to be so exciting because we haven't seen anything yet. Let's set our sights on another another 200 years trusting that God has more for us, more than we could ever ask or imagine. Thanks be to God. For the First United Methodist Church of Florence and for all those saints, including you, who have played a part in sharing the love of Jesus Christ with this community. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in our community, visit us at fumcflorence.org or facebook.com slash florencefumc